the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into hour two of our three-hour tour this Thursday, January 14th. Someone I've been uh, paying attention to, uh, particularly uh, his comments and uh, and uh, interviews on Fox News for some time now, is attorney uh, Jim Trusty. He's a former prosecutor, in fact, a former head of uh, the organized crime section at the Department of Justice. And I saw some comments recently of his having to do with um, the impeachment of Donald Trump and uh, the impeachment over what is alleged to have been incitement. Uh, and I, I wanted to explore some of that with Jim. It is a privilege to have you with us, sir. Thank you for joining me. Much appreciated. Oh, sure. Thanks for having me. You bet. So I watched the speech, most of it, I think, all of it maybe, uh, that Donald Trump gave last week. And then I've forced myself, I suppose one might say, to reread it several times because quite apart from the political understanding of why the Democrats may want to brand the president with a second impeachment, the claim that this was incitement, as I have come to know the law of incitement, I got to tell you, I I think it is bootstrapped and I do not see how it possibly comes close to any understanding of incitement as the law of incitement has been understood for some time now, at least since 1969. I'd wonder if you could comment on some of that. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And, you know, it's interesting if this was a civil case instead of a political proceeding, it would be perfectly set up for a summary judgment. I mean, this case would go away on this uh, charging document that they're using. So there's a couple aspects of incitement to insurrection that just fail here. I mean, the first is to recognize you have to prove that there's a specific intent to cause violent insurrection or violent overthrow of the government. Mm-hmm. That's going to be questionable no matter what. But the key part, when you when you talk about President Trump's comments back on the 6th, that when you're addressing whether or not advocacy, as they call it, or the words that are spoken, right are considered incendiary, you have to give them their ordinary and reasonable meaning. Mm -hmm. And so if the president says, I want you to be peaceful, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are very comfortable saying, well, that's a dog whistle. He meant violence. (laughs) You can't do that. You know, you really shouldn't do that anyway, but you certainly can't do it for an incitement uh, for insurrection, criminal prosecution. And, you know, to me, that's one of the many flaws procedurally or otherwise. It's accompanying this particular impeachment. I want to circle back to that in a second, but there is something we kind of probably have to get out of the way on this, <laughs> Mr. Trustee, which is, of course, you can impeach a president for something short of what would actually be a violation of the law, the way high crimes and misdemeanors are um, are, are understood. I suppose we probably would agree on that. Nonetheless, uh, this notion of incitement comes to us as a matter really of a legal definition that can't just be clay in anyone's hands. I mean, we have seen, you have no doubt seen over the decades, various claims of um, uh, of an attempted rather prior restraint or after the fact charge of incitement, which which even on the cases back to Brandenburg are much more strong than what the president said and don't amount to incitement. 
Right. I mean, look, I, I know that uh, getting into the concept of inconsistency could could make your show about 12 hours long. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, if, if you look at what happened with um, Senator Schumer on the steps right. of the Supreme Court, right. Right. telling a protest in progress, you know, those guys won't know what hit them. Naming them, the naming them justice. by name. Yeah. Right. Kavanaugh. Right. I mean, right. You know, because because incitement is not actually geared towards success. It doesn't, you know, the charge is not based on whether or not people then go forward and do things. It's certainly an aggravating factor if they do, and that's absent in what happens in front of the Supreme Court. <clears throat> but in terms of the actual elements, the intent, the words being given their ordinary meaning, that's a better case, mm-hmm. uh, a much less protected speech by that senator than what we heard from uh, President Trump on the 6th. And, and let me just add, Seth, yeah. there's a lot of us that would say that you know, the president's reaction in particular and the president's behavior during those days or even the buildup is, is something worthy of criticism. Sure. Uh, my pr- problem is not here you know, to defend President Trump as a person. My my problem is using a constitutional weighty, you know, very decisive, important moment such as impeachment as essentially a vote of no confidence. And that's what it's becoming because of this kind of conduct. By yeah, Congress. that's my worry, too. Right. We can. And I, you know, trust me. And when I tell you, we, we discuss the merits of Donald Trump's claims all the time here, aside from this point of, of of impeachment. But but that's my worry, too, is this increasing speed at which we seem to be constraining conservative speech, if you will, or speech. It's not even conservative speech necessarily, but speech by conservatives, if that makes a little more sense. The precedent we're setting here is that if you question an election, because that was in there, so so to speak, bill of indictment, or if you say fight like hell as a politician, if you're going to be consistent, the, the jails are going to be mighty full, starting with 535 <laughs> members of Congress, I would think. This this is a very dangerous precedent. I, I, that's my sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And, you know, again, just think about it as with a rough parallel to criminal prosecution. You're talking about prosecuting someone for a crime a week after it happened. Uh-huh. I mean, there's no trial in the history of criminal justice that has been fair that would have ever been that quick. And, and again, it's not to defend the president, but they're basing their evidentiary kind of motivations here. Their rulings on evidence are we heard what he said and we saw what happened. And that's just not it shouldn't be enough for constitutionally weighty matters like impeachment. And we don't know what the evidence would develop over time. I mean, obviously, we heard what the president had to say. We know there was violence. But, you know, what if there's a, a group of the leaders of the vandalism and the attacks within uh, Congress that said, oh, we planned this a month ago? Which the evidence is and now I, so, some, somewhat giving some breath to. Right. I mean, it looks like CNN had a report last night saying a lot of this <laughs> might have been planned in advance. Right. If that's the case. Then right. Is all the more the sham, right? Well, it's at least look. It may not be a defense in terms of whether or not he incited to say that. Well, you know, it didn't. It didn't take root. It was already there. But it's certainly mitigation. Mm-hmm. It's certainly something that an objective fact finder would want to know before deciding things like disqualification from running for president. So, you know, that's part of the problem with a snap impeachment. It should never been. That phrase never should have been coined in this country. And you're going to miss out on the opportunity to actually develop evidence. And I don't like seeing people from either side of the aisle saying, you know, well, I don't want to stand on process. Well, process is what gives this good results. You know, consistency and fairness and process are, are very undervalued uh, in our society right now. And I think we need to go back to 
having a consistency there and recognizing the importance of developing evidence rather than just opinion. Jim, can I ask you to put on your philosopher's hat for just a moment, if I may? We're talking to Jim Trusty. Um, do you worry about uh, do you worry about this conflation or confu- yeah, well, confusion might be the better word between speech and action, speech and violence? There has been at the college campus level for many years now, gosh knows, this attempt to say speech can be violence or speech is violence. And it seems to me that this is what undergirded a lot of this um, uh, this impeachment drive against Donald Trump from last week. It, it wasn't any particular call to violent action. It was just basically what he stood for. Uh, that worries me, and that those that his words, by virtue of them being spoken by him, were violence. Do you worry about this kind of censorship? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think we're really dropping into an age of uh, cancellation mm-hmm. that's that's pretty worrisome here. You know, I, I'm about free markets, whether it's you know economics mm-hmm. or ideas, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean you can shout fire in a crowded movie theater. I mean, I understand there's always limits to free speech, but. You know, I, I think it's actually worse than confusion. I think it's the, the triumph of emotionalism over reason. Yep. That's part of the problem we're facing. I suppose. Um, and I also think it's more cynical than that. I think there are people out there that pretend to be offended, that pretend to be snowflakes about this language that suddenly hurts them. Yeah. When really they're just looking for speech codes. They're looking for unity of thought, not unity of country. I think that's right, too. That's really well said. Um, I, it, I used, I, when I was growing up and in a little bit of practice, you know, I used to think attorneys were particularly sensitive to these kinds of issues, First Amendment free speech claims. I'm amazed how many aren't anymore. I'm amazed how quickly the ACLU has given up on things but and, and amazed how many of your, your fellow professionals are willing to let some of this slide. Do you, do you worry about that in your profession, or do you think that's overblown? Well, if I say anything negative, I'll never get a referral from any of my attorney friends right now. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I, 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 you'll get referrals from hundreds of thousands of people in Phoenix. All of a sudden, your law firm is – why are we getting all these 602 all calls? <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So I'll, good people, so I'll welcome them. Thank you, Jim. No, I mean, look, uh, lawyers tend to have very political uh, views of things as well, and they're entitled to that. But I think there needs to be a little bit more championing of of freedom of thought and free speech than we're getting right now. Thank you, sir. Hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. I really appreciate you joining us. I'd like to call on you again. You're a clear and concise thinker. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. That'd be great. Call me back. Thank you, Mr. Trustee. Take care, sir. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. I think it's your show all the way out, especially if you uh, didn't get in yesterday and wanted to comment on uh, anything we were doing there then um, or today. Anything you want. Rick in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. My name is Inigo Montoya. You impeached my president. Prepare to be voted out of office. Talk to me, brother. Hey, Seth. <laughs> this has been a great show today. In fact, it's been a great show all week. And uh, and dealing with some uh, heart-wrenching stuff, you know, I'm still sighing for my country. Uh, I, I really appreciate your calling out 
the hypocrisy and the low level of integrity of the leftist and the Democrats, this whole shenanigan is absolutely absurd. And the only reason, I think, that it's going on and allowed to go on is because of the support, the the, the crazy support of the mainstream media. I heard Lemon and uh, what's the guy with him? Cuomo. On, yeah, I wanted to play that yeah. audio. Maybe I should. Oh, should I do oh, it for man. a second? You want to do it? Should we do it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Give it. Give us a second here, Bill. Incredible. You got that handy. This was on. Uh, this is a dialogue between uh, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon on CNN last night. Go right ahead, Bill. Now what you hear is, well, you can't say that everybody who voted for Trump is like the people who went into the Capitol. Response. You can't say that what? Everybody's like? Everybody who I, voted I just, for Trump is I, like them. And now I just explained to you if, you, if if you are on that side, you need to think about the side you're on. I am never on the side of the Klan. I am never principal people, conservative or liberal, never on the Klan side. Principal people, conservative or liberal, never on the Nazi side. Principal people who are conservative or liberal, never on the side that treats their, their fellow Americans as less than, that says that your fellow Americans should not exist, that, said your, that says your fellow Americans should be in a concentration camp or that sides with slavery, or sides with any sort of bigotry. Right, and if they say, I don't agree with those people, I just like Trump's policy. Well, then get out of the crowd with him. Get out of the crowd. So you see what's going on there, right? We are are at fault, and we are the problem. We, the majority, who do not believe in the Klan, the Nazis, concentration camps, or slavery— because mm-hmm. someone may walk into a room who does believe that. Now, by the way, I will tell you, Rick, um, I think you're older than me. I'm not sure for certain. I'm, Are I'm you? 65. Okay, you're a little older than me. Yeah. Uh, um, I have been in the conservative movement for how long, Bill? I can't do math anymore. 30-plus 30 30, years? 30-some. 30 yes. Probably 30-some years. Yeah. I have never been in a room with, conference with, phone call with, meeting with anyone in our movement who supports the Klan, Nazis, concentration camps, or slavery. Right. Exactly. And, au contraire... I've never seen it. I've just never seen it. Lemon and the uh, other knucklehead do support the concentration camps in China, don't they? They certainly cover up for them. At, they at, sure at, at, do. At, at worst, they excuse me. At best, they cover up for them. At That's best, they cover right. up for them. I I have to tell you, it is a grotesque libel to put us in league with the Klan, the Nazis, concentration camps, and slavery. You know, I didn't. It's a it's an odd lumping together of the the the, the worst forms of civilization abuse i suppose that's the right phrase for it in a way i not even hillary clinton did you know yeah. when she called us deplorables, deplorables. right there's Bastard. something very um 
back straightening about saying clan side, Nazi side, concentration camp side, slavery side. Yeah. Um, it is not we, it is not this side that tore down statues of Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. That's exactly right. It was not this side that said the year 1776's proclamation that all men are created equal was not our founding. That's exactly right. It was not our side that said we can become a law unto ourselves because cops are... I'm not even going to use the words. Right, right. Amen, brother. It was you not know, our side that questioned, that made the point that not all protests have to be peaceful. Right. In fact, you that know, was one of those that... two interlocutors that actually was Chris Cuomo who said that. Yeah. The only thing that was surprising about that conversation that you just played... Yes, sir. ...was that lightning didn't strike. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I it, this is part and parcel of the ongoing effort to continue to marginalize us and to make us um, cretins. Yeah, this that's is, exactly you know, right. uh, does he mean by this, get out of the room, he uses the word, you know, room, mm-hmm. uh, figuratively. Does he mean by this rule, everyone who voted for Joe Biden is part of Kathy Griffin's crowd? He right. has to mean that. He has to mean that, that you are now defining a movement by its most extreme elements. Right, right. Well, Saul Alinsky would be proud of them. I think so. I think so. Um, Because they are doing their best to diminish your and my humanity by accusing us of the most horrendous thing. Well, that's the justification for shutting us up and denying us free mm-hmm. speech rights or rights to speech. Yeah. That's yeah. the justification for censorship. Who, right. after all, would want a Nazi to speak? You know, this is what I've been warning about with these protests against Trump for the last four years, holding up you know, swastikas and calling him fascist and Hitler and the language yeah. that has been used by uh, the squad – uh, same language being used by the squad, squad to denounce him. You're creating an atmosphere of violence here with that kind of language because once your leader is a fascist, a Hitler, a Nazi, once that's your leader, yeah. then you set up the rational and literally legitimate grounds for violent revolution. Um And I think we saw a lot of that over the last summer, which is why so many of us were horrified and speaking out and begging, begging Democrats to speak out instead of saying things like people will do what people do. You can come back on when we come to the other side. side. Bob, don't go away. I want to talk to you, too. And there's room for more. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Rick, I'm going to ask you to hold. I'm going to come back to you in a moment because I want to work this call in. I thought I saw it come up the other day, and perhaps if it's the same caller I'm thinking of, didn't get a chance to get on. Bob and surprise. Hi, Bob. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? I'm okay, sir. How are you? 
Good, good. I'll, I'll get right to the point. Uh, I am going to leave the Republican Party. and As a matter of fact, I, I just think I'm going to leave politics in general. Um, I no longer think my vote counts. Uh, I don't think the Republicans are standing up for uh, their, their constituents. Um, and it's just frustrating. Um, the one optics thing, you know, about the protests and everything, and this is the one thing that keeps sticking in my mind is instead of Trump flags, if those would have been pitchforks in those people's hands, would people think differently of the whole situation? And that's really what I think, you know, the whole thing comes down to. People are frustrated. People are frustrated that their vote no longer matters. Uh, I've been a dedicated Republican for 35 years. So, uh, my first uh, vote was right after Evan Meekin got impeached. Um, so I've been around a long time, and I've been very, very loyal to the Republican Party, including voting for Mitt Romney, John McCain, all those mistakes. Um, and I just don't see – I wish there was another party. There's not. Independent is really not an option. I just don't even think I want to be involved with politics anymore because it just doesn't matter. Well, let me, let, me, let me make an – opposite um an opposite uh observation if i can bob because well i hope to and maybe over time uh we'll we'll do it um but let me just say now that if if you if if you don't like the way things are going i don't think less involvement is the right answer this party has always been a party in conflict. You talked about uh, how you even supported Mitt Romney in 2012, which is a common statement by Republicans. I even supported Mitt Romney because we kind of look back and say, ugh, what were we thinking um, about 2012 or Mitt Romney? But just invoking that name is – is is evidence of the history of our party, Um, you know, the Barry Goldwater candidacy of 64 was an outlier and Mitt Romney's dad walked out of that convention. You know, the tension in the Republican Party was always between that kind of view, a Romney or a Rockefeller or a Scranton kind of view versus a Goldwater Reagan kind of view. And, you know, when Reagan ran against an incumbent president in 76, Jerry Ford, that you know that was a pretty astounding thing to see you know that was a that was a pretty amazing thing to see but it was again that part of the party screaming for its conservative base to take over the what for lack of a better word is the moderate or northeastern view of of the party and we didn't give up when reagan lost that primary election in 76 he gave a speech to his supporters saying the cause goes on and we took it back four years later. I, you can look at the party now and say, well, yeah, it's got Mitt Romney in the Senate and Mitch McConnell in the Senate. But you can also look at the party and say, OK, but when have we had the likes of people like Tom Cotton and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley? When have we had the governors like Ron DeSantis and um, – and uh, and Christy Noam, when have we had a party with people like Jim Jordan and Andy Biggs? And I could name many more Dan Crenshaw's. I mean, on and on we could go. 
this is a point of our this is a point in time for the Republican Party where it's had more Goldwater Reagan esque Trump esque if you want to say it Goldwater Reagan Trump esque members and loud and strong than we've I think ever had since probably 1964. Never mind 1985 when you got involved. If my math is yeah. correct. They're like a bunch of drunken sailors, though, that just got paid. They just go blow their wad. Those guys that you just mentioned, you were right. Those, they are outstanding Republicans. Andy Biggs is, is real high on my list. Debbie Lesko is my congresswoman. Yeah. But where's the rest of them? Well, we've always asked they? that question, Bob. We've always asked that. You know, <laughs> where's the rest of them? Where's the rest of me? Was a Reagan uh, movie and autobiography. We've always asked that question. It's just that now there is more of them than ever before. That's the point I'm trying to make, Bob. Is yes, we can look at the cla- at the glass as partially or half empty, but it's never been this full. That's my point. I don't know if it's half full or three-quarters full or a fifth full or a third full, but it's never been this full. And to let them down now, right when we need the fight the most, stay with us, Bob, uh, over time here because it's, it's going to need people like you to keep them. You can, you can have Mitt Romney's or you can have Andy Biggs's and Tom Cotton's. It depends on what you do, Bob, and if you leave, you'll get one and not the other. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Parts of this hour are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Favorite product I've ever endorsed or taken. I love it. I take it every single morning. Tens of thousands of vital nutrients is what I get to boost my energy, my health, my immunity. Mango, apples, banana, blueberries, spinach, zucchini, garlic, cayenne, pepper, all locked into these vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process, all organic. I think it's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. I can't encourage you enough, especially this time of year, my gosh, to be in your peak health. With the picked at the peak of ripeness fruits and veggies of balance of nature. They're offering free shipping. It's a great deal and thirty five percent off, even greater deal. Any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at eight hundred. Two four six eight seven fifty one, or go to balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You will be so glad you did. Rob, Tim, don't go away. Let me uh, go back to Rick as promised. Uh, I figured Rick might have a thought on the topic of what uh, that previous caller was uh, calling in on. Rick, thanks for your patience. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Seth. And, yeah, I do have a uh, uh, Suggestion. Uh, I've been uh, a Republican uh, about the same length or maybe a little bit longer. And to be honest, uh, there was one time in all of that. uh, No, there are two times in all of that uh, that that I was uh, really felt good. That was when President Reagan uh, came in and when President Trump. Mm -hmm. The rest of the time, I kind of... uh, you know, bit my tongue mm-hmm. or my lip or mm-hmm. whatever and said, oh, the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, I, I would pitch right in with you. I'm very encouraged by the slate of uh, folks that we have uh, in the Republican Party and more specifically the ones that are 
standing up, taking mm-hmm. a stand mm-hmm. more along the lines of Trump. And, mm-hmm. and I heard at least three different audios today of, um, uh, I believe they were uh, uh, House of Representatives uh, that were just really laying it on the line. Yeah. And I mean yeah. very powerfully. Yeah, it was good to watch them yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and and I, I was really encouraged to hear that. Yeah, we haven't because, had you know, that kind of shoot in our eye in a long time. We really right. haven't. That's a that's a great way of putting it. Uh, it. It was very encouraging to hear them because you know it's like uh, so we get so used to everybody laying down and backing up and making excuses, and and these people were not doing any mm-hmm. of that. They were they were really. Uh, going after it in by yeah. the way an effort that they knew was not going to prevail yes well, you yeah, know they yeah. could have not gone along to get along right or rather i should have said they could have gone along to get along they yeah, could they have could run have, for the hills they, they could, could have, have joined like, the other 10 they yeah. could have tried to impress the home state newspaper for the time being they could right. have done that they yeah. didn't and like some of the others right they could right have done right see CYA, you right, know, right. hey, hey uh, when this rolls over, we don't want to be known as the as the ones who stood up right. for President Trump. Right. And, they could have gone Buck. that route, and they yeah, didn't. but they didn't. Right. They didn't. Right. Hey, uh, I'll leave you with uh, two real quick things. Okay. Uh, one is uh, uh, I heard earlier today that uh, President Trump is going to resign on the morning of the inauguration, and uh, therefore uh, Vice President Pence will become president, so he will become the 46th president, making all of those T-shirts and coffee mugs and everything else that say uh, Joe Biden 46. Oh, how funny. (laughs) I thought that was great. How funny. How funny. (laughs) I thought that was great. And the other thing is, did you finally give in and watch Princess Bride. I heard you make a reference in your monologue. I'm going to disappoint you. No, no, you're not. No disappointment. But I heard you make a reference I in your monologue. I did make a reference to it, and I still haven't seen it. Can you believe it? <laughs> it's like there's five or six movies I've never seen that people will say. My, my boss, Jim Ryan's one, will say, you've never seen that? How, how, <laughs> how, how can we go on? How can yeah. life go on? <laughs> It's just got so many great one-liners. Did you ever see the old Barbara... Now, I'm not a Barbara Streisand fan, but the old Barbara Streisand movie, uh, What's Up, Doc? Yes, of course. Ryan O'Neill? Sure. Okay, you remember how clever the dialogue was in that? Yes, of course. Great one-liner. That's kind of... That's kind of the way Princess Bride is. Well, the embarrassment maybe, maybe is not. that I've seen that and not Princess Bride. Yeah, you not know. quite up to Princess part, Bride had Andre the Giant in it, after all. Yes, that's right. Whom I did that's... slap on the shoulder once. Do I get credit for that? Yeah, you do. Okay, you do. <laughs> all right. Most people who saw Princess Bride can't say that. Sleep well and uh, you, dream Rick. of large women. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> okay. All righty, then. I'm going to Assume that's a line from the Princess Bride. Tim is in Phoenix. Hi, Tim. Howdy. Howdy. Hey, I'm listening to these last couple of guys, yeah. and one thing kind of occurs to me. Yes, sir. I'm sitting there minding my own business, bothering nobody at my job, obviously, because we're not really doing much for school. And I started thinking, when you go back to the 1840s, that's when the uh, Communist Manifesto, when those guys started writing and putting and publishing, right? Mm-hmm. From the 1840s to the 1940s, how many countries went through a communist or socialist revolution? 
How many went many? through a communist or socialist revolution? Uh, well, certainly yeah. the big one is Russia, right? Yeah, yeah. And then China and all the ones in between. Yeah. I mean, I was counting at least 100. Before 1940? Before 1940? No. Uh, well, I mean, no, that's, just a hundred, I'm, that's just a 100-year point. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. I was trying to work in your... Okay, I'm with you now. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to Korea in the 1950s. Right, right, right. No, I, I mean, we, and in the 70s, you saw something like 10 drop, you know, throughout yep. the, the Carter yeah. presidency. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about the book that you guys were uh, talking about the other day. And I've got the name and the title is slipping my head. But uh, we ordered it. My daughter's read it. Yada, yada, yada. Point being is when you think it's our turn. Well, I'll I mean, tell you, you Tim. I, to all, yeah, yeah, go you ahead. Start listening to all these tactics. Yeah. When you start listening to how it's being handled. Yeah. When you start listening to how courts are being shut are shutting down sure, sure. cases. Yeah. I mean, did you hear what just happened with uh, Cumulus, Mark Levin? Well, I heard what Cumulus on, did. I didn't know that. D- d- last I heard, the story's a few days old. Last I heard was that uh, Mark Levin never got the memo. Are they telling him they that? Did, did something transpire since then? Basically, it was a cease and desist order. And there was another gentleman on there, too. I forget his name, too, because I'm not on my computer. I can't bring his name up. But, yeah, they basically said stop talking about all the election stuff. And it's like... Well, at last I heard, Tim, I'll, I'll double-check and see if it's updated. But in any event, to answer your, your, your question uh, directly, I have been warning about Marxism and the Democratic Party's flirtations and embrace of socialism for some time now. I have been very worried about it. What does it say about a government, state, local, or federal, that emblazons Marxist slogans on its streets? It says a lot. What does it say about a party that welcomes and gives money to and endorses over primary opponents to socialists, people who claim they're socialists, who proudly proclaim they're socialists. What's it say about that? Um, The theoretical is hard to prove. That's what we've been dealing with for a lot of years now. We're now going to have the actual, and maybe people will wake up. I hope so. Man, I hope so. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Dylan is in Phoenix. Hi, Dylan. Hey, Seth. How are you doing today? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Hey, I just had a, a two-cents comment for the gentleman that uh, you were talking about the glass never being this full before. Yeah. I'm 28 years old. I have not been in the ringer nearly as long as some of the guys that have called in before me. However, what I feel is that instead of abandoning the party and making it that much weaker, I feel like we need to start endorsing people my age or slightly older than me on the local level and grow them uh, to be politicians in the House and the Senate and take it back. The ones that are relentlessly patriotic, such as your Ted Cruz's, your Jeff Hollies, Teddy Lesko, stuff like that. I'm all in. No, I'm all for it, Dylan, and it it makes my heart swell with joy to hear that you're of that opinion and of that age. I mean, they did it with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Why can't we field 20 of them from our side? 
Right. Uh, obviously, with a couple more IQ points than her. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. But but I guess my point was <laughs> my point uh, on that was if the left and the Democrats can field young and energetic, we should be able to as well because you exist. You're there. And we need to be recruiting you guys. You need to be not retreating but increasing your involvement. Um, you see how much attention a young first-term congresswoman or man can get. And she has a lot of influence and a lot of say in this party. Why not you, Dylan? Why not? And and off of your point right there, someone who I have high hopes for, a freshman coming in, and I, I apologize, I forget his name, but the gentleman that was just elected, that I think he's 24 years old. He's in a wheelchair. I forget what state and what his name is. Oh, Florida. But he's a yeah. freshman. Yeah, the guy. And I think he's, I have high hopes for him, and I think he's going to do absolutely amazing. Yeah. He seems like a full-on patriot. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he handled the Jake Tapper thing very well, I thought. Very well. Yeah. I, I just think we need to get in into the minds of the younger generation, my generation, I'm and the you. ones below me, and start preparing them. That way we can take this country back and put it back on its constitutional freedom. I, from your lips, Dylan, this is such an encouraging call. I can't even begin to tell you how, how happy it makes me to hear from you and to hear what you've said. I'm going to ask you stay close and call often. Yes, sir. We'll and, do it uh, together. To the gen- to the two gentlemen that have been uh, in the, the ringer for 35-plus years now, I ask for your guys' support. Help help my generation, help me get into these positions where we can help you be proud of uh, being a Republican again or a conservative. Dylan, that is so beautifully stated. I'm going to ask that you call again next week. I want to talk to you more. My pleasure, sir. I will. Thank you, sir. 602 508 0960. We'll be right back.